This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. I'm your host, Lorez, and today we have a special guest to talk about the movie Game Night. Jesus Christ, honey, where'd you get a gun? No, no, that's the fake gun from Brooks's fight. Oh, yeah. Boy, that looks real. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Brooks never spares any expense. Yeah, that's true. Okay, follow my lead, huh? We have Casey here on the line. You are a musician, a talented video editor, and is there anything else that I'm missing? I guess I would just say I'm much. Uh, I'm just pretty much like a compositional, interested in anything that is compositional. So music, uh, film editing, and just the film itself. So anything that touches composition. You have uh, one of the more polished Instagram accounts out there. I will say that. <laughs> and and your YouTube channel is definitely underrated. Oh yeah, I get that a lot. We're we're talking about the the film Game Night, and I, I don't really have too too much of an idea of what your taste in film is like obviously we bounced a couple of ideas off the wall of what we could talk about so maybe based off of that but based off of what i've seen because you have had like movie reviews come out on your youtube channel just things on the fly and you know this and that you 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 seem to have a general taste yeah um i mean i generally like comedy Mm -hmm. i like dark comedies in particular um, but comedy is pretty much my thing. What do you think about the state of comedy right now? Maybe not just specifically for film, but the whole spectrum. Uh, um, I think we're in like kind of a period of time where it's it, people are afraid to be risky about comedy, which is kind of sad. Mm. So I'm kind of hoping that there's like I, I'm hoping this is temporary, uh, and I'm hoping people are willing to get ballsy again. You know what I read today was that I don't know if you've seen the. Uh, the Nanette special, uh, but she, oh. she she's in contention to be uh, replacing Kevin Hart to host I the saw Oscars. That. Yeah, I saw that. it just seems like it, it's it's an awful idea, but also it's like I'm sure there's plenty of cringe material to be memed out of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I am 100 <laughs> percent. I'm endorsing this idea. I hope they <laughs> they roll with it, because the thing is, the people that actually like Hannah Gadsby. I don't think that they realize that if she, if her I, I don't even want to say her her brand of comedy because, well, obvious reasons, if a, a, anybody has seen <laughs> a second of that man, that special. Oh, my God. Uh, but just her 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 essence, I'll, I'll say, if that was exposed to the masses, to the wide scale, uh, <laughs> you know, populace, I, I don't think that would have the reaction that they were maybe hoping for or even anticipating. Yeah, I agree. I think that would definitely, yeah, that would cause a stir. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know. That that could be interesting. But I, I honestly don't think that they're going to go with Hannah Gadsby at the end of the day. I think they'll probably do something really safe like Ellen or Jimmy Kimmel, one of these talk show hosts, uh, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, what would you say was the, you know, not to get into our thoughts necessarily on game night just yet, but aside from game night, what would you say was the last really good comedy film that you've seen um damn that's tough i think uh there was this movie i saw it was with um ryan gosling and uh russell crowe oh the nice guys that is a great the nice movie. guys i love yeah that yeah movie. That's, that's yeah a, that one was really good yeah that's shane black uh you know he's not doing so great now based off those reviews from the predator so oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. I was afraid to watch it, actually. No, I, I tried to uh, download a torrent of that, and I wound up getting a virus instead. So 
I, uh, I, I, I have not watched that. I do have the audiobook version of it. I don't, maybe I'll check that out. But I'm, maybe I'm, the movie was probably so bad. That's why you got the virus. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe, it, just <laughs> dis- maybe it was the actual film itself and it just dissolved into that. I, I don't know. <laughs> Shane Black is definitely a favorite of mine. The Nice Guys was probably like the last really great mainstream studio comedy that I can remember. And I, yeah. you know, that movie didn't do so well at the box office, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. They were talking about doing a television series of that with uh, like Melissa McCarthy and someone like they basically wanted to turn it into that Sandra Bullock, Melissa McCarthy movie, The Heat uh, that came out a couple yeah, of years yeah. earlier. Jeez, that's such a, that's terrible. Why would you do that? I mean, I'm, I'm, I know why they would do it, but why, why, yeah. why would you do that? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> now, as far as this movie Game Night goes, I had no intentions of ever watching this movie. If I see Jason Bateman in a film, I immediately dismiss <laughs> it. I'm like, oh, okay. I I already know what this is about. I'm going to, you know, that's a hard pass for me. <laughs> but I wound up watching it on the way back from uh, my time abroad because it, it was a 15-hour flight. So I'm like, all right, what are my options here? On the way there, I had burned through my top picks, which were like um, mostly South Korean films that, that I, you know, had caught my attention earlier in the year. And then on the way back, it's like, all right, I'm going to watch Solo. I got to watch uh, Game Night. Uh, and Game Night was probably the highlight of the the trip back. It was, it exceeded my expectations. Yeah. And I, I think that might be entirely due to uh, Jesse Plemons. <laughs> well, 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 that as well. But uh, Jesse Plemons in the movie, I think, steals the show. Oh, okay. Now, I, I want to get into your opinion a little bit about this this film, and also, uh, you know, other mainstream studio comedies like this. Another, another one that was kind of like Game Night that came out earlier this year, at least in terms of the marketing, was Tag. Did you see oh, Tag? Yeah. I did see Tag. Yeah. I thought it was okay. I like I would watch it again, but I wouldn't put it on like a list of uh best comedies. But mm-hmm. now as far as Game Night goes, what were what was your opinion on it? Um I really liked it. Uh solely uh well one thing that I guess that really sold me on it was the uh the cinematography was brilliant in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think this I mean the story itself isn't like it's basically like inspired i think by david fincher's the game only yeah. instead of one person it's like an ensemble that was um, what i was thinking the direction of the movie was going to go in that oh well actually it was all stage and they kind of do give you that uh fake out moment with kyle chandler uh, yeah. toward the end which is you know it, it, it's fun uh but th- this <laughs> is a it is a fun movie and i like i said before i don't typically like movies like this or or you know, studio comedies that are designed to have that kind of mass appeal by having like 20 recognizable faces. But something about this movie worked, whereas many of the others have not. It almost feels like, not quite like the 1980s film Clue, but it, it almost has like a similar vibe to that. It's been a while since I've seen that one, so I can't, I, I couldn't really... I guess put a like a comparison to it, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, I think yeah, just just the cinematography alone really got me because uh, the cinematic transitions that they kind of use are I think are pretty clever, especially like with the the tilt shift lens shots. 
that um, at first when I was watching the movie, I was kind of like, okay, that's, you know, that's a cool little effect. But then the more I was kind of watching the movie, uh, when I watched it the second time around, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is actually pretty clever because it's like each time I'd noticed that they were using the tilt shift lens, it was uh, also part of that, that creepy neighbor cop. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was like uh, pretty much they were referring to a part of the game that was actually part of his game. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's actually kind of clever. It's like, and it also makes it look like they're in a board game or something like that. I'm looking at uh, the filmography of the two directors behind this. Did you see Freaks and Geeks, the the TV show? Yeah, I did. I really like that show. Yeah. So one of the directors is the star of Freaks and Geeks. The uh, I can't recall the boy's name, um, but it was Linda Cardellini's little brother on that oh, show. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I remember that kid. And um, well, this this duo. Uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein also happen to be involved in Horrible Bosses and Spider-Man Homecoming. And I think they're they're attached to direct that new Flash film for DC. Oh, okay. Which I think could be interesting now that I've seen Game Night. Because mm-hmm. the, the main thing that I do find appealing about this movie is the energy that is kind of... It, like, it, it, it doesn't stop for a second. And I, I, you know, I think there were a lot of points where Game Night could have maybe gotten too silly or could have fallen off or maybe you just have too many fake outs. But they mm-hmm. managed to retain the general structure uh, well and keep it within a, within a course that felt both earnest and unpredictable at times yeah the pacing was great in this movie they kind of had like these really short film type transitions or like these short film sequences to help the audience catch up to certain things like pretty much they established the relationship uh between uh jason bateman and rachel mcadams pretty quick yeah uh but it was it was clean it was like no more no less you know would have added or taken away from it and then also uh the way they kind of did that short sequence with the, uh, I think his name is Ryan in the in the movie, but he's like always bringing some Instagram type models as his dates or whatever. So they kind of go through this like they're like annoyed with all his dates and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. uh, and then the couple that has like that weird Denzel Washington sequence. <laughs> that <laughs> you know what that 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 reveal when they cut to the photo of her with <laughs> Denzel Washington made me laugh out loud on the plane like. <laughs> Because I already knew what they were setting up. Because obviously that's not Denzel Washington, but yeah, that, yeah, that that was so funny. And uh, like I said before, Jesse Plemons as Gary, the the creepy neighbor cop, yeah, uh, steals the show by a mile. Every single scene that he's in, where he's just soaking up the dialogue, taking his time, just you know, it, it's uh, definitely a show stealer. Yeah, I loved him in this movie. I, I like him in like everything I've seen him in so far. But yeah, this movie he really takes he really takes the cake. I, when I when I seen him and when he first like speaks, I'm like, man, this guy this guy really needs to read uh, Twelve Rules for Life or something. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Goodness, to what do Bastion and I owe the pleasure? Well, we were all just talking and and we realized we haven't had a game night in ages, just the seven of us. So, I thought you were going to your brother's house. I never said that. Come on, Gear Bear. Live a little. It's the weekend. We were just saying how you were always better at games than Debbie was. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you not to besmirch my ex-wife. That woman is an angel. Oh, yeah, she was 
much better at games than you. I will admit I have eagerly awaited a visit such as this. I I was also kind of surprised that uh, Michael C. Hall was in this film. Oh, that was yeah, that was awesome actually. When he when he popped up, I was like, okay, this is <laughs> this is pretty nice. Yeah, it's good to see him get work. So I, I'm assuming you're familiar with Dexter. You watch Dexter. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a great show. Yeah, that that show. Well, it was a great show for like the first three or like, four seasons, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely that ending definitely was not. <laughs> no, it it ended in disaster. Is how it ended. That yeah, <laughs> but uh, like I said before, it, it's just good to see Michael C. Hall get work. He's such a talented actor, mm-hmm. and to have him pop up in something like this, where you're not really expecting that. Uh, again, a pleasant surprise because otherwise, if you take a look at what he's been doing lately, you know, it's not really pretty. I mean, he was on a Netflix show for a minute and he was doing this fake English accent and that was terrible. And I, I don't know. Actually, you know, he was on The Crown and I believe that show got some like serious buzz. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass right now, but <laughs> uh, yeah, he he's somebody I would like to see come back into the mainstream a little bit and get get parts regularly. Or maybe, you know, they've been talking about doing a reboot of Dexter for a little while now. And I think mm. it might be the right time to do something like that. Or, or even potentially retcon those last few seasons like they've been doing with some of the film franchises. Like, uh, off the top of my head, what was it? They, oh, Halloween. Did you see Halloween? I haven't seen the new one, no. Okay, well, the whole thing behind this Halloween is that it essentially ignores every single Halloween film, including the second <laughs> one, and just goes, oh, yeah, just all that, that means nothing. Just just watch the first movie and then watch this one, and you're all set. Oh, okay. So I, I could totally see them doing something like that with Dexter. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, because uh, yeah, Michael C. Hall is pretty awesome. I feel like he's one of those people I would, I mean, I hate to see when actors get typecast for being like a certain type of person. But I feel like he is just so good at just being like a psychopath. Yeah, I kind of, yeah. I can't imagine him being any, like the, the thing earlier you said about him, like talking with an English accent or some other weird kind of shit. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yo, this, I don't know if I can, I can't see you being anything other than some, some serial killer. Uh, did you ever see six feet under? No, I never saw that. Yeah. He, he's the complete opposite on, on that show, <laughs> but he, he does it so well. He's got, he actually has a lot of range as an actor, but uh, yeah, he, he really does pull off that nefarious kind of character so well that you don't really want to see him outside of that. Um, yeah. What did you think of the film stars Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams? Because like I alluded to before, I'm, I'm not hot on Jason Bateman. I'm not impressed with him or the kinds of movies he, he happens to you know do or, or whatever. Uh, Rachel McAdams, I, I kind of enjoy Generally speaking, I, I enjoy her in movies more often than I don't. I don't really think she has anything particularly bad under her resume, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, well what is it about uh, was it Jason Bateman that, that just uh, is not is not uh, doing it for you? Yeah, he just feels cheap. He, like, it, it feels like anytime – I don't know. Warner Brothers, again, puts together these big $100 million uh, comedies that are designed to – uh, you know, appease the masses. I, I would put like horrible bosses in this category, even though I enjoyed the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just feels like the generic, uninspired leading man actor of these <laughs> movies. I could kind of see what you're saying right there. I I, th- I feel like 
Jason Bateman definitely isn't a leading man for me. Um, I do enjoy him in in certain films, other than others, more than like more than others. But in this movie, I thought he was all right. Um, yeah, but I I think the relationship too, like him uh, with Rachel McAdams, kind of back and forth. Uh, their relationship uh, was believable to me, so mm-hmm. I thought they made like also like a good team, kind of like a, you know in this game they were like a team. Yeah. So they uh, they they sold it for me. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I yeah I I will totally co-sign that in that. The personalities of the actors fit the characters well, and they do have like a good chemistry between them that you buy into. You definitely believe that. Uh, I was just looking at Jason Bateman's IMDb. He also did Office Christmas Party, Identity Thief. I'm just getting frustrated reading over this. Um, I think I just like him because of uh, Arrested Development. Oh, okay. I saw that Identity Thief movie, but I mean, that one was kind of like one of those movies where I was like, okay, it was like, it wasn't the most terrible thing, mm-hmm. but I would like only watch it if it was just on TV and there was nothing else to watch. He was really good in this movie that I believe uh, Joel Edgerton starred in and directed called The Gift. It might have been a Blumhouse horror film. Mm. I think the most well, I'm trying to think what's the most serious thing I've ever seen him in. Well, maybe the Ozark. I've heard nothing but good things about that Ozark show. I have. Not, yeah, I haven't seen it. I'm a bit selective nowadays just because I'm constantly sitting in front of the computer editing shit. So yeah. it's like if I'm if I'm going to watch a movie or a TV show, it has to really like scream at me mm-hmm. to and be, you know, that kind of interesting. But for this show, it has led me to just like consuming a whole bunch of movies that maybe I wouldn't have given a chance to like this movie. Yeah. Uh, and obviously uh that has worked out for the better here. I'm not griping about this film whatsoever but uh in terms of the technical quality you've talked about the cinematography some of the editing cues that game night happens to play with did anything else strike you as an interesting choice or uh something that shows a kind of uh a skillful nature to the to the actual making of the movie um yeah i think well basically because oh well, like i said earlier it's kind of just um, a spin off of uh, the game. Yeah. Uh, but I like kind of how they wrap up the, the way they begin and wrap up the movie. Uh, it, it's like this entire movie is a game like the whole time. So it's like they kind of start by introducing Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams and how they meet and they're kind of meet like playing games and they go, they go through that sequence of them playing games until they're married. But they, they have this shot in the beginning where they first kind of lock eyes and stuff and they're like have this chemistry mm-hmm. and they kind of wrap the film the same way when they're playing charades and then she kind of like through charades announces that she's pregnant or whatever. And then they have that same kind of look and then uh, that little intimate look again. And then they, they kind of wrap the movie there. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a nice little, um, like a 360 move with that same sequence. Yeah. Uh, but it, it showed like the evolution of their relationship. So I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah, it is. I, I, I do like how the editing of the movie intertwines uh, in a kind of, in, in an aesthetic way that mm-hmm. helps to unfold the storyline. It's almost like uh, Edgar Wright will do with yeah. his films. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit more laid back than that. Uh, but that is definitely something that I found uh, very appealing about this film. It's very visually pleasing to watch. Just to touch back on the game, David Fincher's The Game, are you a Fincher guy? Oh, I love Fincher. What would you say is his best movie? Oh, uh, damn, that's tough. Um, well, I really... 
Damn, you put me in a spot. <laughs> all right, all right. Give I, me, give me a, give me a top three or something. Okay, top three. I would say in my top three would be uh, seven, Fight Club, and damn, who's coming in third? Uh, I get. I, I liked his. Regardless of what people said, I, I liked his remake of uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. You know that. I really think that Sony has mishandled the sequel to that movie and just, it just oh, the, yeah. the franchise in general, because mm-hmm. obviously that was supposed to be a trilogy like the original uh, films and the books. And now we, you know, it's going to be what, five or six years since the original movie came out and yeah. they decided, Oh, we're just going to treat this like it's completely unrelated to that. Guess what? We have <laughs> a, a new filmmaker, new stars, and it bombed. It was. It was yeah, a mess. the trailers looked. Uh, also, the trailers are just. I hate to judge a movie on its trailers, but Jesus, this trailer just looks awful. I try to avoid trailers as much as possible, just be. And it's it, it's such a hackneyed complaint, really. It's like, oh, yeah. the trail the trailers spell out the movie, you know, one hundred percent. But they, I mean, honestly, they really do. Um, I did see a trailer to a movie recently that. I feared. I, I almost wanted to shut it off midway through because I was afraid of that happening. It's called the oh, the standoff at something creek. Do you know anything about this movie by any chance? No, I haven't heard of this one. Let me just type this into Google real quick. Standoff. There was a while while, while you're searching for that. Uh, there was this. I guess to kind of prove myself wrong. Uh, there was this movie that came out this year also that I was expecting to not like. Uh, just from the trailer alone, it was called um, A Quiet Place. Oh, that and, that was a very good movie. Yeah, yeah, I ended up liking it a lot. So, and, but that trailer really turned me off, and I was just like, I don't know if I want to see this. But I ended up watching it anyways. I was like, this was a lot, a lot better than I was expecting. You know what? I kind of have a similar reaction to John Krasinski that I do Jason Bateman, but I, I was not a fan of the U.S. version of The Office, which I know yeah, is a very <laughs> really. You don't like it either. I don't really care for it now. Oh, okay, I, I see, and here I was expecting to have to explain my viewpoint. No, I thought it was trash, but obviously, you know, we're in the minority on that one. You know, you take a look at Netflix. You sign into Netflix. What's trending? It's constantly The Office. You know, in yeah, that column like for what? <laughs> Unbelievable! It's been ten years. Let it go, people. Uh, <laughs> did you like the Ricky Gervais original Office? I only watched like a, like a few episodes of it. I, I remember liking it, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't really binge it though. But I definitely I would I would watch that over the American version though. It is it is so cringe in a good way. I don't know yeah. if, I don't know if it holds up now because I feel like comedy in general has a good shelf life of about five to ten years. But mm. the original UK Office absolutely made the US Office unwatchable to me because <laughs> they they, t- they took such a brilliant concept and then they turned it into. It's the same problem that The Walking Dead has, and that made me bow out of that show. It's like we get to stretch it out for as long as possible. Yeah, that is an issue with shows. Mm-hmm. And, and and so it just got wacky and too over the top. And it was like, I, I feel like the U.S. office had maybe – no, I wouldn't even say they had a single good season. But uh, I don't know. We, we're off track here. But John Krasinski <laughs> just rubs me the wrong way. Not quite as much as Jason Bateman because I feel like Jason Bateman's a commercial sellout whatever that means. But uh, Krasinski, I complained about him before where I feel like, I feel like, it, I don't want to, I, I, you know, it's not a fair complaint, but I feel like a lot of people saw the faux earnestness of the office and just the, 
like the forced sentimentality of that show mm-hmm. and his gym character. And it has had a hand in corrupting our generation in a way. And I, oh, okay. yeah, I, it, uh, that's, you know, I could, I would need to write out my, my thoughts on this <laughs> to properly articulate it right now. But uh, yeah. Anyway, back to, uh, back to Fincher. So the girl with the dragon tattoo, the remake of that is in the top three for you. What do you think about his film, The Social Network? Yeah, that one's pretty good too. I have only watched that one once. Um, I think that movie probably would have done way better had it come out today. Yeah. Well, I think it would have been a different movie today. Uh, I think they would have leaned into him being an asshole a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Also, the uh, the the trailer that I was impressed by is for a movie coming out in 2019, early 2019, The Standoff at Sparrow Creek. There's a smaller company out in Dallas called Cine State that has produced a small amount of movies that primarily star like Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn and Kurt Russell. And they, they do these weird, niche, violent films that are... Very, very good. Uh, the first one that they did was called Bone Tomahawk. Then they did this, The Brawl in Cell Block 99. Now they have a movie coming out this year called Dragged Across Concrete, and it has gotten a lot of buzz and also a lot of controversy surrounding it because they they play <clears throat> two cops who get uh, fired for police brutality, but they're the heroes of the film. And there was a whole mess of media for like a week, and then it disappeared. Mm, okay. Have you seen any of those movies? I heard about that first one, the uh, the bone uh, bone tomahawk. Bone tomahawk. I, I remember. I think I even saw like a poster for it, but I, I didn't get to see the film itself, though. Uh, well, what is your opinion on westerns in general? Uh, I do like westerns. Um, I forget. There's this uh, this one I had watched recently. It was pretty old. Hold on, let me see if I can come up with the name on that. Um, but yeah, I went to Texas for Thanksgiving because I got family out there in mm-hmm. that ways, and uh, when I was out there. I was watching this Western. This one was so old. It was like, it was probably one of those first in color oh, <laughs> Westerns. Yeah. Like John Wayne it, it era? Dates back. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. My cousin had texted me the name. It's escaping me right now. But yeah, and then I also liked uh, that, that remake of uh, 310 to Yuma. I haven't seen the original, so I can't, I can't say anything for the original, but. I haven't um, seen either. I, you know, I, I'm not too well versed on the westerns. The last two I've seen are actually more recent ones. It was Bone Tomahawk, and then uh, a Ty West film, his last movie that he did with Ethan Hawke and John Travolta. It was called, I believe, it was called In a Valley of Violence, and that one was probably John Travolta's last good film. <laughs> oh, oh, this one. Oh, okay, I found the name. It's called uh, Duel at Diablo mm. in 1966. I've never heard of this movie before. I'll have to look into it. Yeah, it, I had never watched it up until this past, uh, or like two weeks ago. But yeah, that one was pretty good. Um, trying to think what other Western... Well, I don't even. I don't know if I could consider this a Western. I, honestly, I don't even know what to consider this movie. Uh, but uh, No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah, that, that's another great film. I actually just checked out... The Coen Brothers did a Western this year. Uh, oh, what the did Ballad they do? of Buster Scruggs. It's, it's, it's a weird one. It was originally supposed to be a direct to Netflix series that was going to be an anthology and mm. they had all these A-list actors involved Liam Neeson James Franco and then they decided I guess either right after production or midway through production that they didn't want to do an anthology 
and they opted to turn it into an anthology film. And typically the track record for anthology films is not very good. Uh, I don't know if you're into horror at all, but the VHS series is probably top of the line as far as that goes. I, you know, nobody's really attempted it in any other mediums aside from horror. And, you know, I think, I think there was a, there was like a comedy anthology called movie 43 and it was one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> what just jogged my memory uh, there was the Farley brothers did a movie in, in that compilation film. Do you know who the Farley brothers are? They did like Dumb about- Dumber and, Oh, okay, okay. I was thinking Chris Farley for some reason. Oh, uh, no. no. <laughs> I was like, did he make, I was like, was he making films too? No. I was like, I know he's acting, but I was like, I didn't think, yeah. but yeah, no, um, yeah, I remember Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. So they, they did all those movies. There's something about Mary, uh, Shallow. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And as of late, like their filmography has just been trash. And uh, I think the last one they did was actually Dumb and Dumber too. And now to touch back on the Oscars, you take a look at the lineup <laughs> of best films and best director and you just have one of the Farley brothers for that Green Book film with Viggo Mortensen and uh, Mahershala Ali. Okay, I didn't see that. Actually, um, I mean, now that at these past couple of years, I've just been like staying away from all these Oscars. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I don't blame <laughs> you, man. You and me both. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll tune into them. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll what I'll do is what I've done for the past couple of years is I will tune in during like the last half hour. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and just just see the best picture reveal. I I don't even I might have watched last year, but I I I can't even remember uh what was nominated. It was such a weird year for those for those nominations cuz so many people got clipped uh over scandals and controversies. So you had a weird lineup mm-hmm. of both uh best picture nominees and actors that maybe wouldn't have been nominated otherwise. It was really like the B team. Yeah. Oh, so so peculiar. And now it seems to be the case this year as well with the, the Golden Globe nominations. I don't know if you looked into those at all, but uh, it, it's a weird assortment. Like Black Panthers nominated for Best Picture, like Best Drama. Like, I, <laughs> come on. That's I, <laughs> I can't. Well, I mean, definitely if, if, if they even consider it for Best Picture, that just seems like such a a terrible choice. <laughs> it's it's not a terrible movie but it's not a it's not i just don't see it being on a list like that I, it, yeah it feels inauthentic to me it feels like the like they're handing it it's kind of like almost like um it's called uh affirmative action but for, <laughs> for yeah i I, th- I think that might have something to do with it but i also think it's just a grasp at trying to be relevant and trying to appeal to a younger audience because you do take a look at the ratings for these award shows, the Golden Globes, the Oscars, mm-hmm. uh, the Grammys, the Emmys. They are all taking a nosedive in a very noticeable way. And I think a lot of that is just the cultural taste right now is not in tune to anyone who is elite and out of touch. And that includes actors. That includes mm-hmm. Hollywood in general. I don't think people are as interested in those types of individuals now compared to not to get self-indulgent with us here, but like YouTubers, I think one of the main reasons YouTube is the most popular website right now is that people are just thirsting for something that's a little more authentic and on their own level. Yeah. 
but uh but game night this game night movie that we've <laughs> uh strayed so far from i don't did you have any other thoughts about this movie um, I was going to say there was another scene uh, cinematically that was very fun to watch. It's kind of like uh, a bit of a roller coaster, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it was during that scene with the Bulgarian egg in that rich people fight club um, arena where yeah. they were kind of tossing the egg back and forth. And uh, I could kind of see where the cuts were happening, but they did it very seamless. And it looks like it's one one solid cut. Like they just ran the camera that entire time for that whole sequence of just them chasing throughout the house. But um yeah, I think the the camera work there was was brilliant. It is very well shot, and considering that these two haven't, I don't believe they've directed a film before this. This is their first outing as directors. Oh wow! Yeah, they've primarily gotten work as screenwriters. Like I said before, they did write that Spider Man Homecoming film, mm-hmm. and now they are attached to uh, do the Flash. Yeah, yeah, it, it seems like. Uh, they are maybe a bit more talented than what you would expect based off of their IMDb. Yeah. So I, I am interested in seeing what they do with that DC property. Are you into the, the uh, comic book films at all? Yeah. Um, well, not as much as I used to be. I think um, Marvel had a good thing going for a cool minute, but I think now they're just a little too more uh, too comfortable for my taste. Now I feel like when they're making films, they kind of just, know like oh we have an established fan base and we can kind of just be a little bit neglectful with the stories and they're going to watch regardless so i, I kind of don't like that direction they're going in uh the dc universe uh unfortunate because i like dc over marvel as far as the comics likewise but um yeah. i'm sure that they were trying to get christopher nolan to be like their um kevin feige mm-hmm. uh, but i'm sure you know christopher nolan's like you know i have a lot of other ideas that are much cooler than this <laughs> so he's like i'm i'm out but uh i think if they had managed to get him to be that kind of a uh, that person for dc they would be much better off but yeah because it just seems like they have no direction and i think i don't know until they until they come to terms with that and get someone to to direct the ship mm. they're not going to be you know I- i'm still curious to see aquaman just because uh i I like Jason Momoa as an actor, so I'll probably just watch it just because, you know, he's a charismatic dude. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be, I don't know if, I can't say that it's going to be a good film or anything like that. Right now, I do have a lower opinion of DC, and I was really one of the DC defenders around, uh, you know, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. I don't think those movies are <laughs> nearly as bad as the internet reacted to them. Yeah, same. Uh, but Justice League was, was a pile of shit. I can't defend yeah. that one. That, that was <laughs> awful. I was in the theater... And wincing at that smudge <laughs> that was supposed to be Henry Cavill's upper lip, I couldn't. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. They they blew it so hard. It like from the moment I knew that the villain was going to be Steppenwolf, which is, you know, and I'm a DC fan. I go, who, who, who's the villain? <laughs> and it's a PlayStation One bad guy. You know, it's a why. Yeah. <laughs> you you could have chosen anybody. You could have you could have had. You could have had the fucking penguin be the villain, and it would have been more yeah. exciting than Steppenwolf. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that that whole setup was awful, completely. And wh- what did you think of Suicide Squad? Obviously, the internet has generally soured on that movie, <laughs> but when it first came out, obviously people were looking forward to it. Yeah, and everyone was hyped. Afterward, it seemed like there was a little bit of you know there was like an air of delusion with some people like no 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 this is an improvement we're we're going in the right direction but now a year later or 2 years later maybe uh, it's like 
no, that was that was oh boy, that was yeah. cancer. Bad, bad, very bad choice. But I think the well, here's the thing about Suicide Squad. I think it was a it was a good cast, but a terrible plot. So, well, the interesting thing is there have been some leaks recently through the. And it, it leads to some really interesting questions regarding the original casting for that movie and also what the intent of the uh, the David Ayer, the director, mm-hmm. was going to be. Because from what I had read, the original villain of Suicide Squad was going to be Steppenwolf from Justice League. And that was going to be used oh. as like a stepping stone to get to Justice League where Darkseid was going to be the bad guy. Okay. And... There were, you know, you know how we had these uh, these weird like sludge zombie monsters in Suicide Squad. Those were supposed to be the parademons that were in Justice League. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. See, that would have tied up a lot nice, a lot yeah. not, a lot more nicely. Right? Yeah, it would have made sense. It would have actually built a, a linear story between the uh, three films to follow, Man of Steel. Yeah. Another interesting choice, apparently, uh, for the casting. Because I, I when I, I remember when they were talking about doing Suicide Squad back when uh, I think Batman v Superman was just about to come out, they were like, "Oh, we have Ryan Gosling, Tom Hardy in the mix." Gosling was supposed to be in talks to play the Joker, but there was a lot of concept art that had I don't know if you'll know who I'm talking about uh, based off his name, but Mark Strong uh, as the Joker. Do you know who who that is? That name does not sound familiar. Hold up, let me look it up. And see if I can get a face going. He plays. Strong. He plays the bad guy in like. A oh yeah, yeah. Of comic book okay, movies. I seen this guy. Yeah, this guy's actually a great actor. Yeah, yeah, I like him. Very weird actually, choice for the Joker, though. That is a weird choice. Yeah, I wouldn't see him doing that. You know, it's funny actually. I had a. I was like on one of your streams. Mm-hmm. Must spent like a month back or something like that, and I was talking about this movie that I. <laughs> that i really liked and everyone in your stream was giving me a bunch of shit for it but <laughs> mark strong is actually in this movie it's called uh rock and roller oh no you know what you shouldn't have gotten shit about that movie that's <laughs> that's a good movie rock and roller i like guy Ritchie. he's a decent director i like lock stock and two smoking barrels yeah yeah that's a good one that yeah nobody should be trashing rock and roll how <laughs> dare they i'm gonna ban them all but uh mark strong such such a like there's nothing remotely humorous about mark strong but maybe maybe that that was like the idea to just have a completely different kind of joker uh yeah i don't know i think i could see him as being like victor zass like he would be a perfect victor zass that that is a good good idea uh but where he's wound up in the dc universe you know he played sinestro in green lantern he looked so you know he he was great as sinestro but now he's playing the bad guy in shazam oh really yeah and that movie, it, they are going in a very, very different direction with that one, where it almost feels like a, a PG kids film. Like the, yeah. the the goal that they were trying so hard to capture, like that Marvel essence, uh, and obviously made a complete misfire with the past couple of movies. They seem to have that general vibe with, from the looks of it, with Shazam, and to some degree with Aquaman. But Aquaman, based off of the trailers. In my opinion, it it looks and feels more like a PG thirteen action film from the nineties. Yeah, which I'm I'm kind of into. I'm I'm definitely agnostic about Aquaman. I'm not going to rule it out, especially because James Wan is the director, and they have yeah, a, that's a plus. They have a very good cast. Willem Dafoe is in there. They have Patrick Wilson, who I think is an underrated actor. 
they have a good lineup. Nicole Kidman's in there, so I okay. Like, I didn't see her in that. Then. She's playing his mother in the movie. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I'm more optimistic to what DC is doing because they have fallen on their face so many times, <laughs> as opposed to Marvel because they've grown comfortable, like you had said, and they yeah. know that they can get away with just literally delivering a carbon copy of the last 10 films that they've put out. Exactly. Yeah. And it seems like, well, there's a merger coming up between 20th century Fox and Disney. So I was going to say the X-Men franchise uh, is going to be absorbed into that, but I want to get your opinion since I know you're, you're, you're kind of a comic book guy on the Deadpool movies. Oh, okay. Um, well, the first one, I, I really like the first one. The second one was, um, <laughs> it's not bad. It's not good. It's just, it's a movie. It's it, like I said earlier, I forgot about what we were talking about earlier. There was another film, mm-hmm. but it's like one of those things where if it's on, I'll watch it, but I won't put it on like myself. Right. Like I wouldn't just like, Oh, I'm, I'm in the mood to watch the second one. Like I would, I would much rather watch the first one. Well, I, I think it's, it feels like the exact they hit the same notes. It's not the exact same movie because I actually think that the original Deadpool is really, really good. Yeah. And the the sequel just did not win me over. There's one sequence that I won't spoil that involves uh, maybe like a mass uh, killing of, of super. I'm already spoiling it. Of oh, superheroes yeah. <laughs> that I found really funny. Uh, <laughs> but aside from that, yeah. And I... I this this is really disappointing to to check Rotten Tomatoes and see that opening this week is Once Upon a Deadpool, which is a PG thirteen rendition of Deadpool two. I've been hearing about them uh, talking about that for the, like a couple months ago, and I was just like, really? Is that why? What's the point of that? I'll tell you what the point of it is. It's to get people warmed up to the idea of a PG thirteen Deadpool three once Disney owns it, uh, and also just make more money. Because yeah, at the that end makes of the day, sense. Yeah, that's going to be the bottom line. So really disappointed with that. But I, I'm also interested in this uh, this Spider Man movie that's coming out. This animated Spider Man movie. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, are, what are your thoughts on animation in general? Are you, are you into the animated films, or mm-hmm. is that yeah, something yeah. you? Okay. So, what, what would you say then are your sources of interest for that genre? As far as uh, the animation films, uh, I like a lot of the classic Disney animation films. Uh, what do you mean by classic, though? Like, wait, are we talking uh, 1940s? Or are we talking 90s? Or I kind of like uh, from the 40s to the 90s. Like, my favorite Disney film would be Robin Hood, which I think was in in 44 or something like that. Yeah, that's way back. Uh, yeah, that's that's my favorite one by far. Uh, but I also like uh, the Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. So genuine uh, classic Disney then. Yeah, genuine classic Disney. Uh, those are pretty good. Um, I'm not too big into the world of anime, but I, there are a few shows that I d- they definitely like hold a place in my list as far as animation goes. Um, I liked, there's a show called uh, Fooly Cooly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty good show. They, they they just made a new season this year and they're making a new one next year, but the, the, the follow-up season is it's it's awful and none of the original story writers or the animators or anybody from the original one is involved so i was just like okay this is why it was so terrible but um yeah, yeah. there's even a sequence in there that went like i was watching the animation i was like i could do this in after effects um so if i can do this this is this is a problem yeah absolutely uh, and, yeah <laughs> and then uh, there was this other show called uh, kill a kill 
that's pretty good also. That one sounds familiar to me. I'm not honestly I anime is something that I wish I could be more into, but I just like I sit down and I try it and it's just <laughs> like, yeah, we're not connecting here. <laughs> you know, I I'm very selective about what I enjoy as far as that goes. And I, it's very difficult to just find something where it's not like, yeah, you have to sit and watch for 90 episodes to get the general <laughs> vibe of this this show. It's like, no, give me give me give me like 10 episodes. Give, just give me a regular season. How about that? Yeah. You yeah, know? that's pretty much well, Fully Cooley, the original one is only 6 episodes. Mm-hmm. And then uh Kill la Kill is only 25 and only one season. So, and I think too they the both of those shows wrap up pretty nice. So I think that's another thing I like about those two shows. It's not one of those things where it's like oh, people really like this show, so let's just expand on it. It's yeah. like, no, this is the story, and it, this is where it ends. The only show that lasted more than 30 episodes that I that I was able to get into was Dragon Ball Z, and that was because I was a little boy at the time. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is great. I was so invested. But uh, like, like Cowboy Bebop is obviously, oh, yeah. that's one talked about as one of the, <laughs> the greats. That's only about 25, 30 episodes in one movie. Mm-hmm. Very easy to manage. So yeah. that, that's one I enjoy. Akira, obviously, that's unrivaled. I think that's probably number one unless you want to delve into the, uh, fuck, what is it called? Like Studio Ghibli uh, okay, yeah. films. Because obviously then very different kinds of uh, movies there. And yeah. could very easily rival uh, Akira in terms of quality or, or what have you. Yeah, DreamWorks kind of has some animated films that are okay. Like those first two Shrek films were all right. Hey, hold on. On that note, just we'll pause right there. Did you see that Shrek retold film that hit YouTube? <laughs> I, I saw the trailer for it, and I haven't seen it yet, but I really want to. I well, I did a uh, <laughs> I did a live episode of movies last night with the critical unbeliever, and I was. I, I, I was almost tempted to try to goad him into watching that, but we were going to go live in like an hour. There's just no time. So apparently the idea behind this was that maybe something like 100 people decided to recreate Shrek scene for scene. Like they got assigned like a 15 second sequence or whatever it was yeah. and remade it in their own way. There was another one like this that was made maybe about five years ago, I want to say called Our Robocop Remake. And okay. It was the same year that the, the Joel Kinnaman, Michael Keaton, RoboCop film came out, which is I think it was like 2015, maybe. And that one, here's the thing with these kinds of movies is you need to know up front that a good 70% of it, if not 80% of it, is just going to be straight bad. It's going to be unwatchable. <laughs> so Shrek, Shrek is like, that's a new beast entirely. Like I, I'm actually... <laughs> I'm very curious about this Shrek retold. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to sit down and watch it sometime this week. Yeah, I do want to see that. It looked when I seen the trailer on Twitter, I was like, okay, I need to watch this. Yeah, it looks it looks bonkers, like just crazy. Absolutely, it's ambitious if nothing else. I, <laughs> I I'm not entirely sure what to anticipate with that. I but, feel like um, I might have like I don't know. This, I feel like I might go crazy just <laughs> watching that. <laughs> Did you follow along with like the Shrek sequels? Because as soon as I saw that two was announced, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even <laughs> going to watch that one. I enjoyed the first one. I'm out. I liked. Um, well, I liked the first one. I liked part two better. And then after after part two, like part three was a total nightmare, and I stopped. I was just like, okay, we're done. Yeah. Probably a wise choice, is my guess. <laughs> uh, what do you think about this? Uh, I'll tell you what movie trailer recently made me nauseous was the 
Wreck It Ralph sequel. What it, oh what yeah, that was very cringe. Ralph breaks the internet, where it's a celebration yeah. of like everything that's popular on Twitter, essentially, yeah. and like it, yeah. it just felt so gross to me. Yeah, I definitely got a feeling of disgust as well. Also, from watching that trailer, there's just and I, the the way they use pop culture to kind of just reel people in. I'm just like, oh my god, I can't believe people are such fish because this movie <laughs> yeah. is just, just yeah, it's a catastrophe. The trailer. Well, what do you think about the general atmosphere of film criticism right now? Because you do take a look at Rotten Tomatoes or something. Maybe I I don't know if you give any credence to these. Uh, reviewers that are out there but you take a look at Rotten Tomatoes and there's absolutely a difference in how they rate films today as opposed to maybe about 15 years ago where Mm -hmm. there is a huge leniency toward uh, you know obviously the Marvel films the Disney films but these blockbusters in general where they reward movies and filmmakers and studios for playing very by the by the rules yeah yeah i don't really i don't like using rotten tomatoes just because uh, of that exact reason yeah because i feel like uh, a lot of movies that i watch that are especially like independent films and stuff i get uh not trashed on rotten tomatoes but they don't get any kind of love and i'm just like these are these are great films a lot of uh, a lot of time and effort and just brilliant storytelling is being put into these independent films and i feel like people who do uh independent films are much more hungrier so they put a lot more effort into their craft and to see that they're not getting you know d- at least decent uh a decent chance on the these critic websites i just feel i, I just i don't know why it is like this mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that it has something to do with like studio influence in the uh the rotten tomatoes i'm sure there's people who get perks and stuff you know, oh, like yeah. oh come to our films and come come to the premieres and come to the you know this and that and i feel like that definitely has an effect on the you know giving the, these ratings that these films are getting but um yeah i just yeah i don't like the state that this critics uh the critics that are in today yeah it, you know that is something that uh a lot of the dc fans would complain about on twitter and then you know marvel fan it, there's there's such like a weird like subculture war between dc and marvel there is yeah (laughs) that almost it it almost mirrors the whole like left versus right thing on twitter and it just it's it's so silly you know but yeah they get so worked up about it and they celebrate whenever like oh james gunn got taken down so then you have like the certain (laughs) dc uh fanboys that are celebrating that and then you know it's it's so weird but uh one of their main complaints was disney is buying critics which they were both right and wrong about i i obviously i don't think dc would be bold enough to just say you know here's two hundred dollars write a positive (laughs) write write three stars and above for this movie you know yeah (laughs) but you're absolutely right in that they do get the perks of like oh why don't you come to the premiere we'll we'll have you stand on the red carpet you know you're gonna see this movie before anyone else which let me tell you, it makes a difference if you're one of the early voices that can go out and say this is a good movie or this is a bad movie uh, before any other critic. Like you're going to pick up yeah. a, a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of uh, attention that way, and it's going to. There's be... one person in specific that I feel has this issue. His name is uh, you probably know him. His name is uh, John Campia. Yes, yes, I'm very familiar with uh, that that whole collider group in general. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, exactly that whole group. I feel like is one of those. Uh, like a perfect ensemble example of of that 
issue. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Where you, you know, and, and it's kind of interesting because I feel like the one of the few reasonable people on that whole panel of film critics was probably John Schnepp. Mm-hmm. But uh, it seemed like their their opinions were very within the lines of standard film criticism. Like, I, I don't understand why that was ever popular. I, I, I guess just the production value and something like that, that is uh, obviously more frequently uploaded or, or, or on a basic schedule compared to somebody like maybe red letter media. Uh, but yeah. obviously they're very popular as well. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There, there's something wrong in all the institutions. It seems like and film criticism is just one of them where it's been compromised by group thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely um, noticeable within the industry right now. Mm-hmm. So what would you say are some of those more independent movies that have been overlooked? Because you, you were saying about how you maybe wish that they had gotten a fair shake, whether that's critically or just in terms of attention. What would you say are some smaller movies that you've seen as of recent that deserve more attention? Um, well, the first one that comes to mind is um, Upgrade, which I thought was a fantastic film. That is a very good movie. I think the budget on that film, I forget, it escapes me, but it was pretty, it was pretty low budget. And I was like... The amount that they pulled off with this budget was pretty amazing. And then uh, the marketing, though, was not. I was just like, what, what is the marketing for this movie? It needs. Yeah, it just needs a better, a little bit more of a push. And it could have gotten a lot more. I feel like the box office return on that would have been a lot better if they had, you know, invested some more into marketing. I agree. Uh, I, I it, it is kind of weird because I was talking about. I actually forget which movie it was uh, now, but it seems like there were a lot of bigger movies earlier this year that got an immediate blast of acclaim online. And Upgrade was definitely one of these movies where Mm -hmm. now we're kind of heading into the fourth quarter of the year and there isn't much talk about Upgrade or any of these other films, which makes me kind of wary about what the future for movies like that may be. Yeah, it's weird because I've been thinking lately because I'm I'm currently working on about five different stories that I want to shoot. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so one of them I plan on shooting in 2019. Um, but it's also, it's just the state that film is in right now, it just feels a little like, I don't know where I can be placed in this world of film when it's hard to be an independent filmmaker and have a strong impact when there's so much, like, I just feel like you need to hit <clears throat> what's called that group thought i guess that that kind of group think mentality in order for them to kind of appreciate you as like an upcoming filmmaker like oh okay you're fitting in our little bubble mm-hmm. um and i feel like people are are going to be either two things are going to happen it's going to be people are going to be less willing to take risks with films or someone's going to do something or a group of people will come up and create a kind of new not new hollywood but a new place for the film industry and i'm hoping for the latter uh you and me both because otherwise uh it's a cliff that i'm heading toward um yeah. i do think that is starting to happen though i i absolutely believe that there is less of an emphasis on having to navigate the hollywood system now 
And yeah. I think I think the first movie that came up and made an impact without doing that that specifically applies to the whole internet generation of filmmakers because and I've said this before on a previous episode you will hear tons of directors say yeah you can go make a movie with your cell phone right now and that's true obviously it's it's a uh, you know kind of a uh, over the top statement that you know, it's not as simple as it would lead you to believe, but mm-hmm. there's no reason for anyone to not start working on their own movie right now. It, it, it's the cheapest now and the most accessible now that it's ever been. The first yeah. movie to really make a dent on an independent level through the internet, I think, was Blue Ruin, which was a Jeremy Saulnier film that came out uh, maybe in 2013 or 2014. And then okay. this year, we have a similar movie. Thunder Road. Actually, it's not a similar movie at all, but it has a similar uh, you know, force behind it where it's one person leading the way, doing things on uh, you know, their own dime, essentially. They were funded by somebody else to do these short films. They had leftover money. They did a feature film oh, and okay. opted to forego the traditional distribution system. And they yeah. did get offers. They They also won awards at Sundance and these festivals. So that might be starting to clear a path for people who are interested in building like a little film community of their own which, yeah. within their societies without having to kiss somebody's ass and uh, be a PA on some awful soap opera for seven years in order to hopefully get your script <laughs> to somebody important. You know, I think that yeah. that way of doing things is going to die soon. Yeah. There was um this movie I had worked on about three years ago. It's on Netflix now. It's actually it's a terrible movie. I'd recommend not watching it. But um, <laughs> when I was on the set, I was talking to the director because I was just like, "How did you?" It was her first feature film, and I was like, "How did you manage to get this budget together to shoot this film?" Obviously, you know, because you're independent and all that. And she pretty much had said that she had been shooting short films over the period of uh, I think it was something like five years or something like that, mm-hmm. and submitting them just to as many film festivals as she could afford to send them to. And uh, one of them had got picked up by a producer and he said, I'll put this much amount. You're going to have to raise the rest of the money. So she pretty much crowdfunded the rest. And uh, that's how she got this movie going. And um, so that's what got me thinking. And that's why I've been pretty much my plan since then is like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to write out these uh, stories I kind of have been thinking about for a while anyways. And uh, start doing that kind of over these next couple of years and just submitting that until uh, either, you know, I get picked up for... uh, for work like that or if anybody's interested in expanding any of those stories. Yeah. I, th- I think that's the way to do it nowadays. You can't really rely on anybody. You just have to uh, take the bull by the horns and learn every step of the process really on your own and then yeah. go through the proper channels and hope for a break. But that, that's a, uh, that's really cool. I, you know, I, had, uh, well, I, I don't want to, reveal too much about uh, maybe my past life here, but I had kind of done uh, similar work. I was a producer on a movie oh, okay. a couple of years back when he was uh, doing these like independent low budget uh, films that were based off of his uh, book of short stories. And okay. that whole process was a mess. I'll tell you that right now. Those movies took forever to come out. And when they were finally released, it was, they were all ignored. Every single one of them was blatantly mm-hmm. ignored, and it was all a big waste of time. And it made me 
kind of put That's things in context where, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where it's like, oh, cool. We're working with a notable actor here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the return is like trash. Yeah. It, it, it's like, honestly, I could, I could go shoot something in my backyard right now and probably have a better distribution plan than what these, <laughs> these movies wound up getting. It was terrible. Um, but again, I, I do think that that is going to be a venue that begins bubbling up and is something that is considered, you know, it's going to be a long time before self-distribution and, uh, trying to finagle deals independently with something like Netflix or, or any of those Mm -hmm. streaming services is going to be looked at in the same regard as a traditional release through a theater chain. But yeah. at the same time that the independent creators are starting to gain, you know, uh, better footing, the the industry in general is is obviously suffering. You know, we're seeing terrible returns on big budget films. They're essentially relying on China now in order to deliver uh, the budgets back on these movies. Yeah. And more and more, they are becoming very reliant on animated films. Marvel films, and these aren't really, they don't feel like films at the end of the day. They feel like episodes in a long-running television series. Yeah. So I I think we're going to start to see these mediums change a bit and what it means for a film to be a film or a television series to be a television series. Obviously, I think that's the most significant change we've seen within the past 10 years is uh, a season of a television show can have the same impact as uh, a great movie. Right. Yeah, I think, too, it's um, it's interesting because uh, now that Star Wars is kind of having its own issues and stuff with the fan base and they kind of try to use the uh, I think the term is uh, st- fatigue, yeah. like a Star Wars fatigue or something like that. But um, I don't think that's necessarily true because uh, like we were saying earlier with these uh, film series and how, you know, these are much more getting more much more engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's like Game of Thrones. You, People will wait every week as soon as a new season comes out. Like everyone's, you know, on their seats waiting for this next episode to come out. So it's like if a if a show can do that, then a film should also be able to do that. But it's you know, your writing and your the time you put into it. So yeah, I don't buy the fatigue issue at all. No, absolutely not. If it's quality, people are going to wait. It, it doesn't matter exactly. how long it's going mm-hmm. to take. Uh, same rule applies to uh, Breaking Bad, which we can then connect to Jesse Plemons, who was the creepy neighbor in Game Night, which is, of <laughs> course, the topic of this episode, uh, <laughs> where Breaking Bad decided, yeah, we're going to take a year off uh, for the final season. And it's just like, really? Mm-hmm. And, and and then in addition to that, it's like, yeah, you're only going to get six episodes, and then we're going to do six episodes next year. And that's still part of the final season. It's just like, oh, <laughs> you're torturing us here. <laughs> People will wait forever as long as you have something that is good. Yeah. All right. On that note, uh, we are at the one hour and five minute mark. I like to keep these nice and tight. So, uh, Casey, thank you for coming on the show. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, sweet. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me on. But um, you can find me probably primarily would be Instagram at KCNEKRO. Um, I'm active on Twitter too, but it's it's more memes and kind of uh, just cruel retweets. But uh, <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I would recommend if you're going to see anything of mine, just jump to my Instagram at KCNEKRO if you want to be visually pleased. Yeah, I got to say, you are one of the top creators as far as quality goes. You're, the stuff that you put out always looks good. It always sounds good. 
you have a great editing style. And uh, I hope more people wind up discovering your channel, uh, either because of this episode, doubtful, I don't know, <laughs> hopefully not, but or uh, just in general, you know. And yeah. uh, we'll, we'll have your, your links in the description. You can just send those to me after the show. But thanks for tuning in, and until next week. kind of experience how can you prove that as it were it's not going on in their head it's their experience that can't be proved in any way beyond the beyond, 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 beyond.